Chapter Sixteen of Grace Harlowe's First Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen, Thanksgiving with the South Arts. Thanksgiving dinner was served at exactly half past twelve o'clock and eaten with much merriment and good cheer. At half past one, Mister Southard was obliged to leave his sister and guests and at two o'clock they were getting into their wraps, preparatory to accompanying Miss Southard to another theatre, to see one of the most successful plays of the season. That night they saw the actor in Hamlet, and his remarkable portrayal of the ill-fated Prince of Denmark was something long to be remembered by the three girls, as well as by the rest of the enthusiastic assemblage that witnessed it. "'I shall never forget the awful look in his poor eyes,' said Grace solemnly. Then she joined in the insistent applause that Everett Southard's art had evoked. Presently, the actor appeared and bowed his appreciation of the tribute. Then he made his exit, nor could he be induced to appear again. Anne sat as though turned to stone. She could not find words to express the emotions that had thrilled her during Mr. Southard's marvellous portrayal of the role. His own personality was completely submerged in that of the melancholy ghost-ridden youth who, dedicating his life to the purpose of avenging his father's murder, welcomed death with open arms when his purpose had been accomplished. She had seen a great play and a great actor. The first time she saw Hamlet she left the theatre heart-sick and discouraged. Tonight she was leaving it alert and triumphant. "'Anne has been touched by the finger of genius,' smiled Miss Southard, as she marshalled her charges to their automobile. "'How did you know?' asked Anne. But in spite of her smiling lips, her brown eyes were full of tears." "'My dear living with Everett has taught me the sign,' said his sister simply. "'I should like to play Ophelia to Mr. Southard's Hamlet,' said Anne dreamily. "'Perhaps you will have the chance to do so some day. "'Everett thinks you would be a more convincing Ophelia than the young woman you saw in the park tonight,' encouraged Miss Southard. Anne looked so delighted at those words that Miriam and Grace exchanged swift glances. It was evident that the genuine love of her profession lay deep within the soul of their friend.' "'We will go for a short drive, then come back for Everett,' planned Miss Southard. "'He has promised to hurry to-night. "'Then we will have a nice little supper at home.' Their hostess and her brother had agreed that there should be no after-the-theatre suppers at any of the so-called fashionable restaurants for their young guests. "'I am sure their mothers would not approve of it,' Miss Southard had said, "'and I feel that I am responsible for them every moment they are here.' The party at home was an informal affair in which there were many cooks, but no broth spoiled. To see Mr. Southard earnestly engaged in making a Welsh rabbit, an accomplishment in which he claimed to be highly proficient, one would have never suspected him of being able to thrill vast audiences by his slightest word or gesture. "'I can't believe that only two hours ago you were Hamlet,' laughed Grace. "'You look anything but tragic now.' "'He looked every bit as tragic just a moment ago,' "'I saw a distinct Hamlet-like expression creep into his face,' stated Miriam boldly. "'You have sharp eyes,' smiled Mr. Southard. "'I happen to remember that I have forgotten what goes into this rabbit next.' "'I could feel myself growing cold with despair. "'Then the inspiration came, and now it will be ready in two minutes.' "'The rabbit was voted a success. "'After decorating the actor with a bit of blue ribbon "'on which Miriam painstakingly printed first premium with a lead pencil, "'he was escorted to the head of the table,' and congratulated roundly upon being able not only to act but to cook. The next morning everyone confessed to being a trifle sleepy, but appeared at breakfast at the usual time. After breakfast Mr. Southard carried Anne off to meet Mr. Forrest, 
while Miss Southard, Miriam, and Grace decided to go for a drive through Central Park. It was a clear, cold, sparkling day with just enough snow to make it seem like real Thanksgiving weather. "'Too bad Anne can't be with us,' said Grace regretfully. "'Everett will take her for a drive before bringing her home,' replied Miss Southard. Shortly after their return to the house, Mr. Southard and Anne returned from their drive. Anne's eyes were sparkling and her cheeks rosy as she ran up the steps. "'Anne must have heard good news,' exclaimed Grace, running from her post at one of the drawing-room windows into the hall, Miriam at her heels. "'The deed is done, girls,' laughed Anne. "'Behold in me the future star of the Forest Stock Company. "'It doesn't sound much like Rosalind, does it? "'And it means awfully hard work, "'but I'll earn enough money next summer "'to almost finish paying my way through college.' "'Hurrah!' cried Grace. "'We won't allow you to become lonesome. "'We will come and visit you during vacation.' "'That ought to reconcile me to having to work all summer,' smiled Anne. "'I shall be selfish and manage to have some of you girls with me all the time.' "'How do you like Mr. Forrest?' asked Miriam. "'Ever so much,' returned Anne. "'Like most successful men, he is quite an unassuming. "'Mr. Southard and he did almost all the talking. "'I spoke when I was spoken to and did as I was bid.' "'Good little Anne,' jeered Miriam. "'As a reward of merit, we will take you shopping this afternoon.' "'How would you like to go to the opera tonight?' asked Mr. Southard. "'Madam Butterfly is to be sung.' "'Better than anything else now that I've seen Hamlet,' exclaimed Grace with shining eyes. Miriam and Anne both expressed an eager desire to hear Puccini's exquisite opera, and Miss Southard called two of her friends on the telephone, inviting them to join the box party. The same evening gowns had to do duty for the opera as well as for Hamlet, but this did not detract one whit from their pleasant anticipations.' "'The people who saw us at the theatre the other night won't see us at the opera,' argued Grace. The three girls were in Grace's room holding a consultation on the subject of what to wear. "'That is, if they saw us at all,' laughed Miriam. "'Alfreda says Oakdale isn't down on the map, you know.' "'That reminds me. What excuse did you make to Miss Southard about Alfreda not coming with us, Anne?' asked Grace. "'I merely said she had changed her mind about coming.' "'Did you mention that she changed it violently?' slyly put in Miriam.' "'I did not,' was the smiling assertion. "'I don't like to think about it, let alone mention it.' "'Do you suppose she'll improve the opportunity "'and tell Anne's private affairs all over college?' questioned Miriam. "'I don't know,' said Grace briefly. "'Let us put her out of our minds for now. "'It won't do any good to worry about what she may or may not do. "'When we go back to Overton we shall know.' "'That night the girls listened to the wonderful voice of the prima donna "'whose name has become synonymous with that of Chuchu-san,' the little Japanese maid. Anne wondered as she drank in the music whether this beautiful young prima donna had ever had any scruples about appearing before the public. Miriam was thinking that David would be bitterly disappointed when he knew that Anne was going back to the stage during vacation. Well, though she would not have confessed it for worlds, the throbbing undercurrent of heartbreak that ran through the music was filling Grace with unmistakable homesickness. She wanted her mother and she wanted her badly, what she would not give to feel her mother's dear arms around her. When the curtain shut out the still form of the Japanese girl and the prima donna received her usual ovation, the tears that stood in Grace's eyes were not alone a tribute to the singer and the tragic death of Chuchu-san. On Saturday morning the girls went on another shopping expedition, and in the afternoon attended a recital given by a celebrated pianist. After the recital, instead of going home, Miss Southard surprised her guests, by taking them over to the theatre where her brother was playing. Mr. Southard had arranged that they should be admitted to his dressing-room. 
It was the same theatre in which Anne had played the previous winter, and several of the stagehands recognised her and bowed respectfully to her as she passed through to the actor's dressing room. They found him still in costume. He never changed his street clothing on matinee days. "'You are respectfully and cordially invited to eat dinner in my dressing room,' announced Mr. Southard the moment they were fairly inside the door. "'I have ordered dinner for six o'clock.' Eating dinner in a dressing room was an innovation as far as Grace and Miriam were concerned, but to Anne it was nothing new. It had been in the usual order of things during her brief engagement in As You Like It. As it was after five o'clock when they arrived, it seemed only a little while until a waiter appeared with table linen and silver, which Mr. Southard ordered arranged on the table that had been brought in for the occasion. Then the dinner was served and eaten with much gaiety and laughter. After dinner, a pleasant hour of conversation followed, and later on the visitors were introduced to the various members of the company. Unlike many professionals who have achieved greatness, Mr. Southard was thoroughly democratic, and displayed none of the snobbish tactics with his company, which so often humiliate and embitter the lesser lights of a theatrical company. At eight o'clock they said good-bye to the actor. Through the courtesy of Mr. Forrest, they were to witness a play in which a wonderful little girl of fifteen, who had taken New York by storm, was to appear. After the play they were to pick up Mr. Southard at his theatre and go home together. That night another jolly little supper was held in the Southard's dining-room, then three sleepy young women fairly tumbled into their beds, completely tired out by their eventful day. As the return to Overton was to be made on the noon train, the Southard household rose in good season on Sunday morning. Breakfast was rather a quiet meal, for the shadow of saying good-bye hung over the little house-party. "'When shall we see you again, I wonder?' sighed Miss Southard regretfully. "'You are going home for Christmas, I suppose.' "'Oh, yes,' replied Grace quickly. "'I wish you might spend it with us, but I suppose it would be out of the question. "'You must come to Oakdale next summer. "'We can't entertain you with plays and recitals, "'but we can get up boating and gypsy parties. "'The boys will be home then, and we can arrange to have plenty of good times. "'Will you come?' "'With pleasure, if all is well with us at the time,' promised Mr. Southard and his sister. "'When the last goodbyes had been said and the girls were comfortably settled "'for the afternoon's ride that lay before them,' they were forced to admit that they were just a little tired. "'We have had a perfectly wonderful holiday,' asserted Grace, "'and the Southards are the most hospitable people in the world, "'but it seems as though I'd never make up my lost sleep. "'I should become a rabid advocate of the half-past ten o'clock rule "'for the next week at least. "'I wonder how the boys spent Thanksgiving. "'Of course they went to see the football game. "'I warrant Hippy ate too much.' "'I wish Jessica and Nora could have been with us,' remarked Anne. Miss Southard wrote to them, too, but they couldn't come. Did you see Nora's telegram? Yes, replied Grace. It said a letter would follow. I suppose she'll explain in that. Well, it's back to college again for us. I wonder if Elfreda has moved. We shall know in due season, returned Miriam grimly. I have visions of the appearance of my hapless room if she has vacated it. I expect to see my best beloved belongings scattered to the four corners or else piled in a heap in the middle of the floor. "'Perhaps she has thought it over and come to the conclusion "'that there are worse roommates than you,' suggested Anne, hopefully. "'The early winter darkness was falling "'when the three girls hurried up the stairs at Wayne Hall "'as fast as the weight of their suitcases would permit. "'Miriam's door was closed. "'She knocked on it, at first softly, then with more force. "'Hearing no sound from within, she turned the knob, "'flung open the door and stepped inside. "'Striking a match, she lighted the gas and looked about her. "'The room was in perfect order,' but no vestige of Alfreda's belongings met her eye, 
The stout girl had kept her word. End of chapter 16